Welcome to Only Trying to Help, the podcast where we try to help you be helpful to other people. My name is Kate Watson, and I've brought back Ro. We had such a great chat when Ro was with us before. Honest to God, don't remember what season that was, Ro. I want to guess maybe <laughs> maybe season six or seven. I think it was but, season six. Okay, season six. So um glad that you're back so that we can continue this conversation. I do think of you as one of my gurus around the topic of <laughs> substance use, substance misuse. And so I just want to thank you for coming back on to talk about it. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for the warm welcome. And thanks for the opportunity to speak to um, a wider audience about these things. I don't, I don't know about guru, but it is something that I feel is always worth a conversation. And one of the things I feel strongly about is by talking about these things, we reduce stigma and by reducing stigma, we improve the quality of people's lives. Couldn't agree more. I think even brief conversations like the one we're about to have just help continue Mm -hmm. a larger conversation Mm -hmm. that we ought to be having. Yeah, they really are. They can be kind of like drops in a bucket in a way, in a way, in the sense that like, they do add up, you know, and even like brief conversations serve to normalize things that may be difficult to talk about. Um, just hearing them, getting that exposure that like, oh, okay, it's okay to talk about this. Yeah, yeah. And when you were here with me in the past, uh, you were sharing about your work around drink refusal, which mm-hmm. honestly, I told you then it was like a, a concept I was sort of Um, introduced to by you that I hadn't thought much about that there would be even like a science to it right Mm -hmm, like a like 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 a skill to practice around Mm -hmm. refusing drinks when somebody is maybe um, trying to maintain sobriety and we were thinking maybe tonight we could talk about sobriety more generally Um, before we you know before I guide us in some particular direction was there anything in particular you wanted to share with us about sobriety more generally Um, only the reminder that I think that sobriety and substance use and misuse affect literally everybody, even if you are not a person who is, you know, who is, or has ever, you know, tried to change the amount of that you're drinking or that you're using, um, you, you likely know somebody or love somebody that has. And, um, so this is another reason why I feel kind of that destigmatizing these sorts of things is important because you never know who you're talking to. And so, you know, whenever, whenever we perpetuate shame and, um, you know, shame and, and misinformation about things that people are, are legitimately struggling with, um, you never know whose ears are hearing that. And so it could be somebody who's watching a loved one just, you know, go down a pretty painful path. And by kind of being, you know, I don't, I don't know, being kind of like a person that sort of like shares the good, I think it can be a powerful intervention in and of itself. Yep. Yeah. I was nodding when you said, you never know whose ears are hearing that, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's always the possibility that there's someone in your life who is struggling, who hasn't told you yet 
Yeah. And, and if they hear you speaking negatively mm-hmm. about folks who struggle with drugs or alcohol, mm-hmm. well, they might just be tucking that idea in the back of their mind. Like, well, don't tell, don't tell aunt Barb because aunt mm-hmm. Barb just said that negative thing. So I guess mm-hmm. I can't share my story with aunt Barb mm-hmm. or whatever. Because when I was having lunch with aunt Barb, she saw an unhoused person and called them a drunk and, you know, and she, maybe she didn't mean any harm, but it harmed me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a great point to think about. You don't know who's listening and how they might take it and how important it might be for that person to think of you as a safe and comfortable person. Mm-hmm. Um and, and so if you're out there thinking, no, I truly don't know anyone who has any problems with substance use, perhaps <laughs> they just haven't told you because perhaps you have shared mm-hmm. comments over the years mm-hmm. and maybe you've painted yourself as someone who isn't safe to talk mm-hmm. to. Maybe so. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I also believe like, you know, I hold these two truths kind of simultaneously, which is that like, um, yeah, it, it is important to reduce stigma and sort of be that kind of safe space if possible. And also people have a right to a private life. And so like, you know, sometimes people make their own choices about, you know, what they're going to share. And I, I you know, I support that too. But, you know, there's nothing like hearing kind of having that voice in the back of someone's head saying like, eh, remember that really, really shitty thing that this person said? Like, you know, do you really want to go there? Mm. Yeah, it's hard enough to mm-hmm. face these challenges, let alone having to share them with someone who y- you worry will not be supportive. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we were also thinking, you and I, before we hit record, that the challenges that people face when they're struggling with drugs and alcohol, th- those challenges may shift Um what feels like a challenge one day may not feel like so much of a challenge the next day, but a new challenge mm-hmm. arises. Um, and so the, 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 the mountains that people climb may be different mountains from time to time, mm-hmm. depending on uh, their life circumstances, depending on the time of year, depending on a lot of things. What do you think about that? I, I, yeah, I beautifully put that the mountain, I think that the mountains that people climb may be different, but they're still mountains you know and the the topography may differ but the you know and maybe some are more difficult than others but it's ultimately it's still a challenge no matter what yeah and and I don't know how to begin to help people prepare for those challenges maybe Mm -hmm. there is at times just no way to prepare oneself for the mountains ahead um Mm -hmm. but I also wonder if there are some ways to prepare folks like Mm -hmm. you know um the holidays are coming up or so-and-so's birthday or your mm-hmm. cousin's getting married. Like maybe there are times where we can begin to predict the possibility mm-hmm. of one of those mountains popping up. Oh, absolutely. Ab- I, I 100% think that's true. I mean, you know, I mean like trauma anniversaries for one are very much a thing. Um, and, you know, when I was still at the VA um, in the residential, in the residential treatment unit, um, you know, trauma anniversaries tended to be a really risky time for relapse for, for the veterans, um, just in terms of like, you know, the things that they were experiencing, the things that like, you know, they, you know, they were vulnerable, um, 
you know, they, they were vulnerable to at that time, you know, just, and so obviously like trauma anniversaries can happen any time of year. Cause like, they're all different. Um, you know, the holidays can be incredibly triggering for people. Um, even really like, you know, winter, you know, or, or summer for that reason, like before you turned on the recording, you know, we were talking about how, um, you know, the dark and cold months might be, might present different challenges than, for example, the summer months. Um, yeah. And I, I guess I don't know, I don't know what to say to the, to the helpers. Like, I want to remember that that's the audience here. The folks who are tuning in to listen are very likely wondering, my mm-hmm. brother stopped drinking last year. Mm-hmm. He's doing an okay job, but I want to make sure I'm there for him. What are the things I need to be thinking about um, to be a good sibling to my brother who's mm-hmm. now trying to live a sober life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think even thinking about it, even just sort of having the like, you know, sort of the recognition that maybe there are differing needs. Like if people are wondering, like, how can I be of help to you in this time? Um, I think it's sometimes worth it to ask the nosy question and to ask the uncomfortable question of like, I really, I want you to look back at this time and remember, you know, and remember being treated with care and being held with love. Um, What's the best way for me to do that? I just really love the way that you worded that because right before you said it that way, (laughs) I was going to ask a question that I feel like you just answered, but let me, let me hit rewind before you were brilliant. Um, (laughs) Hitting rewind. I, I was going to say, you know, sometimes we want to just ask people, how can I be there for you? How can I support Mm -hmm. you? And other times, maybe people just want to be left alone and, and they mm-hmm. don't want us to be nosy and they yep. want to just, they want to just be treated like everybody else. And, mm-hmm. you know, so how do we know if somebody mm-hmm. wants to have this talk or they don't want to have this talk? And so I was sitting over here thinking, I want to ask you that. And then I feel like you kind of answered it when you said that you might turn to your loved one and say, I just want you to look back on this time and, and see it as the time that you were cared for and and held with love. So how do I do that? Do I do that by bringing this up and asking you Mm -hmm. questions or do I bring it up by just leaving you alone and pretending Mm -hmm. like this isn't happening and just everybody goes on business as usual. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think if you come at it with the perspective of, I just really want you to look back at this time and, and say, people were there for me. Mm -hmm. I think that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, one thing that I find um, perhaps not so coincidental is I think that they kind of put it there. Um, and I, you know, what is the right thing to do? Do I return to it? Do I ignore it? Like, do I, you know, and so a strategy that I think can sometimes be helpful is like actually asking or following up with people in times when you don't have to look at them. <laughs> you know, so like, you know, like one time, like I had a friend that mentioned something that was, you know, pretty distressing to them and deeply personal. Um, and, and then we had to like, we, we, we both had to kind of go our separate ways. Cause I think like, you know, I had a client perhaps, and she had an appointment or something like that. Um, and I wasn't sure, like, you know, do I just never bring it up again? Like, was that like a sort of follow her lead? And so I ultimately decided, I think it is a good idea. Um, and kind of out of the blue, um, I was just like, just so you know, like, 
I haven't forgotten what you said. And if it, you just said it to say it and like, you know, to kind of put it out there, but have no desire or need to kind of return to it. Cool. Um, I just didn't want you to think I forgot. I didn't want you to think, I didn't think it was a big deal. Um, we can return to it or not as you feel, you know, would be helpful for you. Yeah. And bro, you're giving that as an example of how you were driving. So mm-hmm. you were sort of staring ahead. Yep. I was looking at the road instead of like looking intently at her, like in trying to like make her like, you know, because I feel like it kind of like makes things a little bit less intense, like, you know, than like, Hey, I want to talk to you about that you know painful thing that you mentioned. Like, you know, Hey, I want to talk to you about your sobriety or like, you know, cause I could also see like, you know, a couple friends, like, you know, like maybe on their way out to dinner and like somebody just saying like, Hey, you know, you haven't really said anything specific about this, but like, you know, if you ever want to talk about this, like we can. And if you don't want to talk about it, we don't have to. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm open to the conversation, however it might look for you. Right. Yeah. And I think what you're offering us is, is something that could work in so many scenarios, even if it's not about alcohol use or, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it could be any old time that you are trying to have um, that check-in with somebody or at least mm-hmm. offer the check-in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's super applicable. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. What else, you know, as we're maybe starting to wind down a little bit here, what else do you think might be a, a, a perhaps parting thought on this topic as we um, think about folks trying to help other folks who are going through, um, whether mm-hmm. it is sobriety is a, is a new journey or one that somebody's mm-hmm. revisiting for the second or third time or they're or trying to, yeah. or they're trying to maintain, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, you know, we're helping somebody through sobriety ha- has many varieties. Mm-hmm. You know, I cannot overstate how helpful I think it is to have, um, sober alternatives and especially sober alternatives, not in the, in a way that's just like, Hey, look at the sober person over here. You know, like, yeah. you know, I like, you know, most, of, most of these days, like the, the restaurants that I tend to go to, um, are kind of like smaller, like, you know, kind of mom and pop joints. And they usually don't have a liquor license because there's, I don't know, it varies so much state to state, but here in New Mexico where I'm located, they are many, many hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more. And so, and, the, you know, and I usually go to them because honestly, because they're quieter and um, there's just less shenanigans happening, you know, like I, I you know, I, I worry less about my safety. I worry less about the safety of the staff when, you know, there's not going to be fights breaking out. Um, so, I mean, you know, places like that tend to be like more low key, you know, I, I mean, I think I, I would hope that somebody that was like, you know, kind of invested in being a helper wouldn't say like, Hey, I want to go to this Oktoberfest thing that's downtown. Like, I know that they have an NA option. <laughs> like, I mean, that would be insensitive. Right. Um, so, I mean, like doing it in a way that is maybe like non-stigmatizing, like I think you and I talked about tacos last time. I will talk about tacos like literally anytime somebody asks me about tacos. And so like, hey, I was thinking about going to go go to my favorite taco place. Like, do you want to come with? Yeah. And, you know, well, my mind went 20 different directions. But one thing I'll I'll throw out there is there are lots of good reasons to have non-alcoholic options at your party. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't always have to be because somebody might not partake. It it might be. Mm somebody is just on a health kick and it mm-hmm. tur- turns out, well, alcohol is bad for you. 
Turns out, yeah. I'm not I'm not sure if you've heard that news, but you know, I had my suspicions. <laughs> um, but somebody else could just be the designated driver or mm-hmm. or just not feeling it tonight. And yeah, so not feeling it. Yeah. So I think it's important for folks to consider mm-hmm. that even if you think of your group of friends as like, oh no, we're all drinkers. Yeah, mm-hmm. you may all be drinkers. That's mm-hmm. okay. And you probably still want to have some options for when somebody says, Hey, I'm driving soon. I better cut myself off. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and also presenting it in a way that's not like, this is the obviously worst option, you know, like, so here's all the craft beer, like, here's like, here's the picture of margaritas and uh, here's the LaCroix if you're going to be lame, like, or anything, you know, something like that, you know, you're, or like, here here's the Coca-Cola. If you, if, if you want to be a child, you know, like those kinds of like, you know, shitty judgmental comments that, you know, um, people unfortunately do make, um, you know, and, but I mean, again, I like if, you know, if somebody is interested in helping, presumably they probably wouldn't be approaching it like that. But then sometimes like if people have that kind of like familiar, like banter, giving each other a hard time, like, you know, they might not have considered like, you know, maybe that hits a little different now, like, um, now that there's some, some context that maybe wasn't there before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can appreciate somebody thinks they're helping Mm -hmm. by making a joke, but we've also done a whole episode on well-meaning humor when like, you you think your joke is lightening the mood, but it really Mm -hmm. isn't. It's making it awkward. Yeah. mm -hmm. Or it can be just like straight up hurtful. Like, it's just like, you know, it just serves to like other people anymore. Like, especially people like newly in sobriety, maybe it's like, maybe they haven't seen many people and then like, they're worried about how it's going to go. And then someone makes some comment that like, just like makes them feel isolated and makes them feel like, yep, it's always going to be like this all over again. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. The other thing you made me think of when you mentioned the, the, the smaller venues where you like to go have mm-hmm. dinner, you said they, they happen to be more low key. They are, mm-hmm. they are calmer, quieter. Mm-hmm. And you made me think, you know, if I'm going to invite my friend out who I know is working towards sobriety, mm-hmm. I don't have to call them up and say, Hey, I want you to come with me to this restaurant. They don't have alcohol. What I can say is I'd love for you to come with me to this restaurant. I love it because it's low key. I I love it because it's quiet. It's my favorite Mm -hmm. spot because we can talk and not have to scream at each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there can be other reasons that you're going to that Mm -hmm. place and maybe name those reasons so that the person Mm -hmm. doesn't feel like I picked this because of you. (laughs) Yeah. Cost. I mean, like, because of, you know, again, like I can only speak to New Mexico, but like, because liquor licenses are so expensive the cost of those licenses are often kind of rolled over into just overall like the food and everything like that so like you know tacos at my usual taco joint are like two bucks a piece but if you go to like one of those places it's got like you know the huge like full bar and the margarita machine then like they're usually like three or four each or so and and they're not as good so because <laughs> they're focusing on the bar so you know but yeah like just saying like hey i found this like little hole in the wall and it's you know it's really inexpensive but super delicious and it's also really quiet like um any interest in checking it out or even things like you know like breakfast joints i mean some of them certainly will have like you know, pictures and mimosas, but like, you know, it's not really the focus the way it is at like some other places. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I think this was a helpful way to revisit some of these topics and to do it through a new lens. And I mentioned to you earlier, this is good timing because um, this particular season, we have another episode looking Mm -hmm. at substance use, misuse Mm -hmm. um, more broadly. Uh, And so I I think it's always nice to circle back to these things because you're right. One of the first Mm -hmm. things you said was this is relevant to everybody. Yep, it really is. And that was one of the reasons why this is even why I studied this in graduate school, you know, why, um, because when you look at certainly like social determinants of health, um, are obviously a real thing, but when you look at things like, you know, substance misuse and alcohol misuse, it is something that you see in literally every group. You see it in all socioeconomic levels. You see it in all age groups. You see it in all genders. You see it, um, you, you see it in people with, relatively few risk factors. You see it in people with tons of risk factors. It is truly something that affects all levels of society. And if you think it hasn't affected you, it has, um, you know, either through like, you know, drunk driving and making the streets less safe, or, you know, the fact that now that there's metal detectors in front of, in every library, um, you know, or you have to ask for codes for the bathrooms, um, et cetera. Those are all a function of people of having to implement safety measures. Like that's what happens whenever, um, whenever people are not getting the services that they need. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we revisited it and we will again. Um, mm-hmm. and so thank you for, for helping me have that conversation. Um, and so, to the audience, I want to say, if you have questions, comments, things you'd like to share, you're welcome to email the show. Um, you can email them to kate at onlytryingtohelp.com. If there's anything that is specifically a question for Ro, I can pass it along to you, Ro. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, thanks thanks again for coming on and we'll do it again. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I, I, I truly enjoy doing this and I truly enjoy talking about this.